Good morning, Christ Church. We got several things converging today. It's Memorial Day, of course, Memorial Day weekend, in which we remember those who have fallen in service of our nation. It's also Pentecost, and it's the retreat weekend for the men's retreat. I just came back yesterday. I was with the men uh, all day yesterday out at the retreat center. Just a fantastic time, beautiful setting, and uh, almost 100 men from Christchurch went for the retreat. So if you're looking around this morning going, it's a little sparse, well, that's part of... Uh, Part of what's happening this weekend, as well as it being Memorial Day weekend. And then, of course, today's Pentecost. You've heard that theme throughout the service so far already, the sense of anticipation, the spirit that's been promised, the spirit that's awaited, uh, then falls on that gathering of disciples in Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not left us as you ascended to the Father on our own, but you have sent your very spirit not only to be among us, but within us, your very power, your very presence as close as our breath, empowering us with the power of the resurrection in this life. Your name we pray. Amen. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, have noticed or been in settings where you might see it, but the fireflies are back. It's that time of year I stood on our back porch earlier this week, and I just watched them, and as dust turned to night, one by one, they appeared, and you never knew where the next pinhole of fire would come, and they would disappear, and it's just kind of like the sense of anticipation of where it's going to pop up next, or how many are going to appear at the same time as they fade away and return. On Friday night of this weekend, um, our daughter, youngest daughter, graduated from high school, and uh, it was an outdoor ceremony. Afterwards, another twilight creature appeared at the end of the ceremony, one that if I see them at all, and I don't see them every year, if I see them at all, I see them only in May and June and only at twilight. And this is a bird called the nighthawk. Any of you ever seen a nighthawk? Um, they're really beautiful. If you can ever see one uh, still and up close, or if you have binoculars, or if you want to look it up, but they're also beautiful in flight. As, uh, and they'll fly around at that twilight hour, and they'll sometimes swoop down, like right down low, coming out of nowhere, and they'll just kind of catch you short of breath, and then all of a sudden, they'll take this sharp turn in the direction of some unlucky insect, and they're just darting all over the sky around you. But both the fireflies and the nighthawks feel like glimpses of glory among us, dwelling among us. These moments make me think of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The psalmist says, when you send for your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. In Acts 2, something like tongues of fire fall down upon the disciples. That's how it's described. Something like tongues of fire. And this is the Holy Spirit. And then later it's described is that it spread among the disciples like wildfire. Today is Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate this moment every year as part of the story that we walk through, the life of Jesus, the birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. And we've been through that story for the past six months, and then the next begins the story of the church. And it's the story that begins with the outpouring of the Spirit on Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter 2 in that upper room in Jerusalem. It celebrates the power of God that dwells among us, that comes 
among us and within us. But not just kind of any kind of presence. It's a restoring presence. It's a reconciling presence that the Holy Spirit brings, a restoring and reconciling presence. The Holy Spirit, kind of like these fireflies and nighthawks, it's just unpredictable. There's a a sense in which it, it blows where it will, it shows up when and where it will, in whatever force it will, and when you think it's going to zig, it zags. And when you think that the gospel ought to, to just be ablaze over here, suddenly it goes ablaze over there. And it's just the way that the Spirit works in the sovereignty of God as the Spirit dwells among us. Eight years ago, there's a beautiful work of art that uh, we kind of introduced for the church, and it was commissioned for Pentecost, and it's this triptych right behind us. It's a really uh, layered in meaning work of art by an artist named Phaedra Taylor, and it was commissioned for this very day, and every Pentecost, we just kind of revisit uh, the message uh, that is exposited in this text and through the sermon, but also a sense in which this piece of art becomes a sermon and be exposits what's happening when the Spirit comes for us as well. So we're going to look first at our Psalm 85 uh, as well. We've, we've touched on Acts 2 and what happens there. We're going to look at Psalm 85. This triptych is also actually based on Acts 2, Pentecost story, and Psalm 85, and those were uh, our readings today. In Psalm 85, um, this psalm, the psalmist aches for the living God to once again dwell among his people. There's this looking and longing to when God will come and dwelling among his people again, restoring all things, reconciling all things. It's a snapshot of the way things ought to be, awaiting the fulfillment of God's promise. Holy Spirit is the promised one. The Holy Spirit, ever since Jesus ascended, is the way, the way God fulfills the promise of restoring his people, of bringing his presence among his people, of empowering his people to be reconciling agents here on earth. So we're going to look at these three themes, restoration, presence, and reconciliation in the text today. And we're going to look at them in the order they appear in Psalm 85. Let's start with restoration. You have been gracious to your land, O Lord. You have restored the good fortune of Jacob. Jacob, as you know, was the, his name became Israel, was changed to Israel, and this reference to Jacob is a way of referring to Israel and, uh, and all the, the whole people of God. Restore us then, O God, our Savior. Let your anger depart from us. Will you not give us life again? That life again speaks of restoration, bringing something back that was lost or disappeared. Will you not give us life again that your people may rejoice? This is this bring it back, God, kind of cry from the psalmist. You've brought restoration to your land and your people before, O Lord. The psalmist is crying out, please do it again. Bring life again. Will you not give us life again that your people may rejoice in you? So God then delivers on that promise, first through Jesus Christ in the very presence of God among his people incarnate, literally God among us. And then through the sending of the Spirit as the Son ascended to the Father. 
to continue the presence and ministry of Jesus among us. That's what the Spirit does. It's God's down payment, in a sense, on this final restoration. It's the Holy Spirit, think of it as a deposit or a down payment on the final restoration that God is going to bring. Paul speaks about this to the church in Ephesus. He says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. What were you marked with? What was the seal? The Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So if you think about some of the most familiar ways that we use the language of deposit, guarantees, and such, when we make a down payment on a car or a down payment on a home, we are saying to the bank, we're invested. (laughs) We're invested in this. We've made a promise to make payments in full. And by making a down payment, we're saying to the bank, I've got skin in the game. You've put your trust in me, and I'm not going to just walk away from my promise to see this through. That's the language of a deposit or a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment on the kingdom of God. He says, you are going to experience part of that right now. This deposit, this down payment, you're going to experience the kingdom of God here and now. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is near this language of the presence of the kingdom. But we all know when we look around and we look in our own lives how busted up this world is, how broken that we might feel in our own lives, and that the kingdom of God is not full and final in its presence among us. So there's this kind of, it's already here, but it's not yet fully here, and we live kind of in between, and this is the age of the Spirit. The Spirit is that deposit, and we experience the kingdom through the Spirit in part now. God says to us, by By pure mercy, he says, I will give you all the treasures of the kingdom. This is the inheritance that Ephesians talks about. I will give you all the treasures of the kingdom. You will inherit the riches of my goodness and beauty. This is my promise to you. And as a down payment to show you that I'm serious, I'm invested in you, in this world. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit as a down payment, and the day will come that full and final uh, presence of the kingdom will come. The fullness of my splendor will come. The fullness of my joy in your life, the fullness of my peace in your life will come. I'll bring restoration to this world. At Christ Church, our hope is to see this kind of restoration. That's part of why we're here. We exist fundamentally at our core to be part of seeing such restoration take place to the praise of his glory, like it says in Ephesians. We are broken. We know that we need to be healed. We are sinners. We know we need to be forgiven. We've received it before, but we also cry out, God, we need it again. And would you bring it again? Would you bring that restoration again? Would you bring your kingdom again? Would you bring that forgiveness of sins Again, our hope's not only to witness this resurrection among ourselves, but then to bear witness to others about it. To say, we are ones who experience this kingdom that has come, but we also know that you've called us to be agents of that kingdom in this world, in the world around us, the people around us, to love our neighbors. In Acts 1.8, it's very explicit, this connection. 
In Acts 1-8, Jesus ascends to the Father, and he says he's going to send the Spirit. And here's what he says. Jesus says these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This direct link between the outpouring of the Spirit upon us, and we experience the kingdom, but this outpouring of the Spirit is going to empower you to be agents of this gospel that's going to go out to all the earth. So mission and spirit are intimately connected and explicitly connected in Scripture. In fact, if you read through all of Acts and you see every time that there is some kind of outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2 is not the only time. We see Acts 1 where it says this is what's going to happen. The Spirit's going to come and you're going to then boldly proclaim the gospel. Then Acts 2, the Spirit comes, and what happens in Acts 2, right after the Spirit comes, Peter preaches, and that very day, 3,000 people come to Christ. And then there's other moments where disciples go out in ministry in villages, and, and they'll talk to somebody and say, have you heard about the Spirit of God? Have you received the Spirit? And they'll say, no, we've heard about Jesus, not the Spirit, and they'll pray, and the Spirit will come and fall upon somebody. And you just see this connection almost every time the Spirit is poured out, what follows is bold proclamation of the gospel. So this connection between the restoration that God's bringing into this world and the outpouring of the Spirit. Next week, we're sending a team to Guatemala on a mission trip. And this is one of the one ways of many ways, locally throughout the year and periodically uh, beyond Austin, where we will participate in what God is doing through his spirit around the world. And in this case, it's with our brothers and sisters, believers in Guatemala, and an organization and mission there that is there year-round doing gospel ministry, kingdom work, and we come and partner with them once a year. And they say, when you come, like you as in Christchurch, when you come, it really helps advance our mission. And so we come and join them on their agenda. They know year-round what's happening and, and what is needed, and we just support the work of the gospel globally and participate in this mission that way. We're going to have at the end of the service, actually, um, just a time of prayer and commissioning for those who are going to Guatemala, and I'm sure that we have some in this service and some who are at the retreat and some in the next service, but I might ask you if you're here in this service and you're going to Guatemala, if you would stand later, and we just want to pray for you. And I want to tell you about someone else that we're also commissioning today. And um, every now and then we have somebody who's been part of our church for a while, and then they go out in mission, and we want to commission them in that calling. And um, we've got a couple, Olivia and Matt Howe, that are going to... El Cajon, California, and they're going, it's, out, it's a suburb of San Diego, and they're going with a mission agency called Pioneers. Pioneers, as a mission agency, their core calling as an agency is to go to the least reached places and communities of the world to do evangelism and church planting, kind of that frontline gospel proclamation. So you might say, El Cajon, California, outside of San Diego, what's that about? Well, there's a community of Syrian and Afghan refugees, a large community of Syrian and Afghan refugees in El Cajon. And they're going to go there and move there with pioneers and just establish themselves in the middle of the neighborhood and through a ministry of hospitality and long conversations and late nights with strong Arabic coffee. And uh, they're going to do gospel work, love their neighbors, 
literally inviting those who live around them just into their homes to share the love of God with their neighbors there. Matt is going to continue. He's going to be working on a master's in social work. He works full-time with Chick-fil-A. He'll do that full-time for a while as well. Olivia will go full-time into the ministry, and then they'll partner uh, in the evenings and weekends, and she'll be working during the days, just living a normal life like many of us do, but with this core purpose and calling. They are there to love the people around them from Afghanistan and Syria. And so we're going to pray for them and send them out as well and commission them as missionaries today. Um, by the way, I'll mention this later, but they'll, they have a table in the courtyard that will be set up, and you can go talk to them about it. You can ask to be on their prayer list and just hear more about their service among these refugees. So restoration, we are participants in that. We are agents of that kingdom filled by the Spirit. The restoration that the psalmist and all of us here long for uh, is that restoration that comes through the presence of God. And that's another theme that you see the presence. Uh, Whenever you see language about the Holy Spirit coming, it's language of presence. Jesus says, I will go to be the Father and I will leave my spirit to be with you as my presence. Restoration comes through presence. So in Psalm 85, again, describes this kind of divine presence, the holy God who converses with his people. Verse 8 says, I will listen. Here's this conversational, this intimate language, like two people in, in each other's presence talking to each other. I will listen to what the Lord God is saying. For he is speaking peace to his faithful people and to those who turn their hearts to him. Truly his salvation, verse 9, is very near to those who fear him, that his glory may dwell, there's the language of presence again, in our land. That he would not just be up there, out there, somewhere else, but right here, dwelling among us in our land, glory Dwelling in our land, near to us, conversing with us. Now, when Jesus comes, he is the glory of God, dwelling, who comes near with us, conversing with his disciples and people around him. That Psalm 85 yearning is fulfilled in Jesus. And then what? As he ascends to the Father. Then he sends his spirit to continue that very work and call. And he turns you and he turns me, us, into the dwelling place of God. We are the temple where God then dwells. So again, in in Ephesians, Paul tells the church, and in him, you two, in Jesus, you two are being built together to to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's the language again, this connection between dwelling and presence in the spirit. You're built together, Christ church. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So let's zoom out again to the big picture. This psalm expresses the yearning of God's people for his dwelling to be among his people so that they can listen to him and what he's saying. They can converse with him. They can live in nearness to him. The Holy Spirit then is within us and among us and it answers that yearning. There's one word that probably best describes how God's presence brings restoration. How does that happen? How does that restoration come? And that would be through reconciliation. 
Restoration would speak more to kind of like the end product, but what's the means? How do we get there? And it's through reconciliation that it comes. His presence comes amongst us, and through reconciliation, he brings about this kind of restoration. Psalm 85 gives us some of the most compelling images of reconciliation in all of the Psalms. It says this, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up from the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. It's that language again of this this kissing, this meeting, this coming together, this meeting together. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up from the earth. Righteousness shall look down from heaven. A firm truth on the one hand and a compassionate mercy on the other. This collision course where they meet together. But instead of wreckage in the collision, there's this, they merge with each other. Righteousness and peace. Earth and heaven reconciled. You might have seen some old copies of manuscripts of the Bible where, especially monasteries, they would write by hand, and there was no, before the printing press, these copies, and in the margins, you would often see illuminations. You'd see lots of artwork, and part of what they're doing is literally, they're illuminating the text. It's not just, let's put some pretty pictures on the page. It is that. They're beautiful, but they're illuminating the meaning of the text, and that's, in a sense, what the artist Phaedra Taylor did when she created this art piece, went into her kind of monastic cell, her studio, and sat with Psalm 85 and Acts chapter 2 and created this illumination of the text, her Pentecostal painting. It's a theme of God's presence with us. Verse 9 says that his salvation is near, that his glory may dwell in our land. The message translation renders it this way. Our country, as in our land, is home base for God's glory. And so I put this up here so maybe you can see it a little bit more easily. It's right here in front of you as well. We have the actual pieces. The left and the right panels have landscape images. And here's what she says about presence in this landscape. Let's go to the next image. One right after that. All right, thank you. I think I got those in the reversed order. So these left and right ones, and that's the left one right there that you're looking at on the screen. Left and right ones have these landscape images. Let me read to you from her artist statement. She gave us this kind of like, here's what's going on. Here's what was going on in my heart and mind and prayer, and here's what's going on in the painting. She says, we walk to him, and you see that path that goes right through the middle. We walk to him. He walks to us. We walk together through the landscape of our lives. The scene is full of hollows and hills, and that's that kind of, you can see the geography, the topography, how it changes. The terrain is not straight, nor is it predictable, like the flight of the nighthawk or the appearance of fireflies. What lies before us is not a peak to conquer, and you can see how the path doesn't like actually, you're not sure where does it go, what's the destination of the path, and, and what she's saying here is what lies before us is not a peak to conquer, but it's a wayfaring expedition of exploration. 
That feels so much like life, doesn't it? Like, God just, you, you know that, was it the, the, um, the Harrison Ford movie where he takes a step and the path only appears as he takes a step? You know, like, it's like, the, it's often the Christian life is like that. It's like, you don't really see the end of the path ahead of time. You just, he just gives you the next steps and you're not really sure where he's taking you and it feels a lot more like an expedition or exploration of wayfaring. This action, the action in this scene, she says, is not toward an end, but into a new country. And Christchurch, we are a pilgrim people walking in the power and the presence of the Spirit through this kind of wayfaring expedition, but we have His presence. We're not walking alone. And we say no one stands alone, no one walks alone. We're walking in the company of Jesus and each other into this vast new country of God's kingdom. You also notice that those gold panels that are coming down, and when she, it, she's taking that from Psalm 85, where it talks about mercy and truth have met together. Truth shall spring up from the ground. Righteousness shall look down from heaven. That's an image of righteousness coming down. That's what those gold squares are. That's righteousness coming down from heaven. Let's go to the next panel. This is on the right side, and look at the gold squares coming up from the ground. Truth shall spring up from the earth. And there's this meeting place where they're going to gather, where we are in the landscape and on the path. Mercy and truth, righteousness and peace, heaven and earth merging with each other. She takes some cues in this panel from verses 10 to 11, and she shows the kind of coming together of all things, the reconciliation of heaven and earth. Now, this is again from the message, verses 10 and 11. The message puts it this way, right living pours down from the skies, love and truth Meet in the street, right living and whole living, embrace and kiss. And you can see, again, how she has the power and presence of God pouring down from the skies in these gold squares. And the bottom of the image contains, um, let's go back, if you would, to the last slide. And you can look up here at the front, too. Thank you. And down in the bottom left, you see that. That grid, that plat, this is really beautiful. I love what she did here. The bottom image contains the plat map. This is from the old city records of Medina Street. And so she found those, and that is actually from this kind of old city record that she put right there into the piece of art. And it's the surrounding neighborhood around our block. God descends upon his people from beyond our world, but as people also carry the presence of God into the places where they dwell, into their streets, into their neighborhoods, into our neighborhood, your neighborhood where you live, our neighborhood where we as a family live here at Christ Church, into the mundane and ordinary ways of serving and loving, living. Truth sprouts green from the ground the message says, oh yes, our God gives goodness and beauty. Our land responds with bounty and blessing. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, then like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. Like wildfire. All right, let's go back to the next one. Thank you for being on your toes. Uh, down on the left, uh, bottom left, you'll see again 
some pods and imagery that's going on right there. And she tells us a little bit about what's happening there. Those pods are these woody follicles of a plant called the Banksia plant. And the pods hold hundreds of seeds. But this pod can exist for years and years and years without ever releasing the seeds. So how does reproduction work if they don't release seeds? You know, you, you'll see a lot of plants every, every season. They'll flower and then they'll release the seeds. They'll flower and seeds. But these don't release their seeds. They'll hold on them for years and years. But she says they can exist without the kind of germination until one element that is needed occurs. Fire. And so whenever there's a fire, and like wildfires are naturally occurring, we often think of them as like man-made, but like lightning. And these occur in places where they would just not reproduce and the seeds would not be germinated until there was either a wildfire or a lightning fire that would occur, and then these seeds open up and they germinate. Acts 2.4, then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. All right, last part. We're going to complete this kind of uh, conversation about the art by, by uh, looking at the middle panel. The middle panel represents the Holy Trinity. And I don't have an image up there, but you can see it kind of the, the big uh, elements of the piece right here. The wax and the wood represent Jesus. It's the living word and the sacrifice. The steel represents the Father. The wood is uh, at least 175 years old from an old reclaimed uh, wood from an old house. And, and she chose kind of wax and wood because of what fire can do to them, like the melting and the consuming of wood and Jesus' sacrifice uh, and how consumable he was, in a sense, um, through the sacrifice. The steel represents the Father. And then what we have right here are flames, and there's a bunch of flames in here and there for you, and she created this piece to be something that she started, and Christchurch will finish the piece. So that middle piece that represents the Holy, the, the Holy Trinity, there's the Father in the steel, and there's the Son in the wood and the wax, and those words, that's tiny script, by the way, there's are lines from Psalm 85 and Acts 2 written beneath the wax. But the Trinity lacks the Holy Spirit until Pentecost Sunday, and today we'll each uh, come and pick up a flame and complete the piece of art, representing that every one of us, like tongues of flame, uh, receive the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we participate in the life of the Trinity by the Spirit. We'll do this um, during the offertory. You'll come forward and you will, we'll do uh, the offering kind of like we did last week. If you have an offering, if you have a, a, a card, a, a visitor card or a prayer request, you'll just come and you'll put it up here. But we'll invite everybody to come up and, and take one of these. And when you bring your offering up, or if you just want to cup up with a flame and that's it, come and grab a flame and walk around and place them on the steel. And, um, and then over the weeks and months to come, when you come and worship here, it'll be with, uh, we'll see the flames representing the people of God. Let's pray now and ask that the Holy Spirit would fall afresh upon us. Father, we thank you that you have not left us alone, 
that you sent your son, and that as your son, as Jesus, you ascended to the Father. You sent the Spirit, and Spirit that you fall upon us, and then you send us to be agents of your kingdom into the streets around 112 Medina, into the streets around our own home, residence, into the places that we work and live and play, shop. Lord, we want to to be so full of your spirit and your kingdom that there's something that happens that where we go, you go, that the presence of the Holy Spirit goes, that people sense your love, your grace, your mercy. We ask, Lord, that in an increasing way within us, heaven and earth would meet. Righteousness and peace would kiss. Mercy and truth would be displayed in our own lives. In your name we pray.